Welcome to the Prosperity Gap, where we discuss the financial gap that exists between you and your retirement. It's time to bridge that gap. Hey everyone, Dave Hall, the Prosperity Guy here. Welcome to another episode of the Prosperity Gap. So excited to have you here. As we start approaching the end of the year, it's been a crazy 2020. Definitely looking forward to 2021. Hopefully you guys are starting on your goals already. You're starting to get ready for a tax-free and risk-free retirement. Well, if you are, I recommend that you go to my website where you'll be able to get the educational tools that you need to get you there where you want to be. You'll also be able to connect with me if you'd like to have a video conference where we can talk about your retirement. Also, if you would like to go through the process of the Prosperity Club where you can get access to many of our webinars and our various products on a immediate basis, 24-7. Please feel free to do that. Take advantage of those benefits. Want to make sure that you get everything you possibly can from what we offer to get you to that safe and secure retirement. Very excited about today's show. We're going to do a little different process here today than we've normally done. For those who listen to the show on a weekly basis, you know that the standard process is I talk about a various retirement topic, and then we bring C.R. Talene, our producer, in, and we go through three various questions. Well, this week, we're going to spend our whole time going through various questions. So I have C.R. Talene with me already here on the show. C.R., welcome. Hey, Dave, I'm here for the whole podcast. This is exciting. Yeah, we probably should do this every week. It would be great if we could just go back and forth, have conversation, get people engaged, answer questions, help people just better understand what we talk about. And I know this show is going to be different because, Dave, I don't have three questions. I have like 50 questions, so it's going to be a little different today. Yeah, let's see how many we can get through through the time we have. That is one of the things. He and I could sit here for about eight hours. We're not going to do that to you today, but we could sit here for about eight hours with the number of questions we have, just going back and forth, answering what has been sent to us. But today, yeah, we'll get through 20, 30. I don't know what's going to be. We'll try to go 20 or 30 minutes, give you an opportunity to get a better understanding of three main programs. Now, today we are going to only be talking about Social Security, Medicare, and reverse mortgages. Maybe we'll We'll do another show where I'll answer a bunch of questions on tax-free and risk-free retirement. But CR, how's your week been? How have things been going for you? You know, Dave, it's been a cold week. This is We get lots of snow. It gets really cold right now. So I'm just trying to hunker down. But besides that, I just got off vacation, which was fabulous. And I'm back now where it's freezing. Yeah, you went to the East Coast, right? So you spent some beach time, which is definitely not what you're doing there in Enterprise right now, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we got to go to Georgia, to South Carolina, and to Florida. We visited some schools for my son, and we also got to spend some time at the beach. It was a little chilly, and we even did an airboat tour, which was cold, but nothing, nothing compared to what it is here. So I did see a picture on Facebook here today of one of our joint friends who lives right where you live there in that same town. He was with his son in a pool of water where they've actually cut off the ice. So maybe you could reach out to him. I can give you the information when we're off the show here and you could connect. And next week, you can talk about your experience of doing some ice diving. Dave, yesterday I was clearing out some ice for my chickens. I have a big blue 50-gallon barrel where the ice is. I had to reach my hands in and pull the ice out. And after doing this for about two minutes, I could not feel my fingers. So knowing that your friend is actually in that same water, I don't even know how that's possible. That's, that's insane. 
I did that one time when I was younger. Me and my friends decided to go up to our local reservoir there. You know where it's at. Ended up going up to the local reservoir. I jumped in. It was snowing outside. the middle of the winter, way below freezing. It hadn't frozen over yet. I jumped in, CR, and just about blacked out completely. I don't know what would have happened. Hopefully, my friends would have been able to save me. But it was so cold that I went black for a few seconds and then uh, came back to myself and quickly got out of the water and said, never again am I going to do this. There's crazy scout camps and things like that where you jump in the water where you're freezing, but nothing is worse than the ice water. So I can't imagine how cold it was for you and for this other guy who jumps directly in. That's insane. Definitely is. Well, I want to make sure we have as much time to answer questions. So are you ready to jump into our questions for this week? And now, Dave, again, it's going to be a little different. I'm not going to be able to go back and forth. I'm just going to rapid fire all these questions at you and see how many of these we can get through. That sounds great. Looking forward to it. All right, let's get started. My first one comes from Janet. Do all reverse mortgages have a high interest rate embedded in them? Is this regulated? They do not have a high interest rate embedded in them because they are regulated. So if you look at a home equity conversion mortgage, now, if you're getting a private loan, that's going to be completely separate. But if you're looking to home equity conversion mortgage, what you start with is usually an adjustable rate mortgage. It can go up 5% over the length of the loan, and it can go up as much as 2% on an annual basis. But it is regulated. It's going to be based on what current interest rates are. So if interest rates are down, you're going to be paying a low amount. If interest rates go up, you may be paying a higher amount. All right. Nicolette asks, is it possible to hold off taking my social security until FRA 66.6 and take spousal former spouse benefits at 62 if you have not remarried? Does the former spouse have to be taking social security? Yeah, a lot of questions inside of there that we need to answer. So remember when we're talking about former spouse benefits, that if they are age 62 and you have been divorced for at least two years, they don't have to be claiming. If not, they do have to be age 62 before you could claim on their record. But in your situation, it, you're going to be subject to deem filing. So once you file, you're going to have to be reliant upon the higher of the two. You can't wait on your own and claim his because you're already entitled to your benefits. So if you make that decision, you're going to be stuck. Now, if he is not yet 62 and you end up claiming your benefits, you would have the opportunity to get a spousal boost if it were higher than what you're already getting once he reached that age. All right. Deborah asks, can you have Medicare and be covered with an insurance in a foreign country, like having a double insurance or must be a U.S. resident? Deborah, yes, you can. You can have uh, insurance from overseas. Now, a couple of things to remember if you look at this, if you're going to be over there all the time, you may want to just go ahead and cancel your U.S. insurance. Or the other option, you may want to look at a Medigap or Medicare Advantage plan that may cover foreign activity. But yes, you can have the policy you're talking about and still have a Medicare plan. All right. Mariana asks, will Social Security benefits be paid retroactively back to the application date if it takes three months to process the application? Yes, they will be. And they can go back as far as six months, as long as it doesn't affect your future repayment. So if you've got a situation where maybe you file the application, want to go back further and be able to get a lump sum payment, you would be able to do that. Something you've got to look at on individual facts and circumstance basis. But yes, it will go back if that's what you want them to do. Great. Uh, Stephen asks, can a non-resident alien with 40 credits qualify for Medicare when he is 65? 
as long as you also meet the five-year presence test. So you have to have been inside the United States for at least five years. It doesn't have to be consecutive, but that's the other requirement in addition to the 40 quarters. The assumption is that you would be if you've worked for a 10-year period of time that those earnings would be in the United States. So should not be any issues with you being able to get Medicare. Great. Manajay asked, starting collecting Social Security after age 70, my wife is 63 and has not applied to her Social Security benefits. Her own Social Security will be less than what she can collect under spousal benefit. Should she go ahead before 65? If so, what will she be entitled to? Yeah, this is something you're going to have to figure out on your own side. If she claims before her full retirement age, she's going to get the reduction of her benefits and yours. So that that reduction, 25%, if you look at a age 66, full retirement age down to age 62, you're getting about 6% per year that it's getting reduced. So if you take a situation where she's going to get $500 from your side, you'd have to take uh, per year off of that. That's what she'd be entitled to if she claimed early. 65 oftentimes talked about as an age in Social Security because that's when we get Medicare. That's no one's full retirement age. So be aware if you're looking at that age, though, that you really should be looking at full retirement when you're trying to figure out what the right amount to take is. Deborah asked, does the GPO only start once a widow's pension start? If she is still actively employed in a system not paying into Social Security, is it offset in any way? Yes, remember the government pension offset is you've got a situation where your pension itself is going to offset any spousal benefits that you're entitled to. Well, if you're still working, those spousal benefits are probably going to be eaten up via the fact that you have a income earnings limit, depending if you're full retirement age or not. If you are over full retirement age and you're still working and that pension hasn't kicked in that, then yes, you could get those spousal benefits. But for many people, because of the age and the situation, you're probably not going to be entitled to much unless you've hit that full retirement age and haven't yet claimed on that pension benefit. Great. The next one's from Sela. Uh, She asks, what are surviving spouses' rights to benefits? If you never remarry, do you have access to late spouses and your own? Can you pull from one and later access benefits from another, or does pulling from one disallow access to another? So surviving benefits are treated differently than regular living benefits. Surviving benefits, you do not have deemed filing. So in your situation, yes, you could start with one and switch to the other and you would be entitled to both. And the end result is trying to get the higher of the two. That may be an immediate distribution or maybe a situation where you claim maybe a a deceased husband or wife and you allow your benefits to grow. And then at age 70, you take those at a much higher amount. But uh, you do have the rights to both of those benefits. Edward asked, divorced spouse is 64 and their ex is 59. To maximize, does a spouse claim now on his own record and then claim on his ex's when he is at FRA or when the ex is at FRA? Please elaborate on the process for the divorced spouse to claim Social Security. Let me try to answer some of this question through other questions. If you've got a follow-up, feel free to reach out to us when we look at this situation. But what you've got on those ex-spouse benefits, again, remember if they are claiming or if they're at an age where they could claim, it's going to be considered deemed filing. If they've not yet reached that age and you've been divorced to those two years, then remember, then you can claim on your own and wait until they reach age 62. But it sounds like in your situation, you're going to have a bunch of deemed filing issues that you're going to have to deal with that are going to affect your ability to just uh, start with one and jump to another. 
Great. The next question I have is, what are some good references for Social Security and Medicare? I'm comfortable reading IRS regulations and publications, but can't find the equivalent for Social Security and Medicare. Great question. My recommendation to most people is Andy Landis's book, Social Security, The Inside Story. Now, you may think by the title that all it's going to talk about is Social Security. That is not the case. He covers disability. He covers Medicare. The only issue with this book is that it was last updated in 2018. So any of the current cutoff amounts, like for example, the earnings limits, they're gonna be outdated. But the principles themselves have not changed. These programs have not changed in the last two years. So as long as you realize when you're looking at cutoff numbers, that you inflation adjust those or go to the internet to find that answer. As far as understanding the overall program, it's a great resource to better understand all these benefits. Great. And Randy has two questions. I'm going to start with the question number one here. If one has a million dollar investment portfolio, is financially secure, owns their home with a home equity loan, when do you recommend taking social security? For example, full retirement age versus 70 and a half. My recommendation is first, you've got to look at your life expectancy. Now, average life expectancy is going to tell you that you, if you're a male, you're going to live to 84. Once you hit retirement, a female, you're going to be 88. And if that's the case, break even points are such that you would want to wait until age 70 to take those benefits. But if you've got some health issues that you think may cause you to die before then, you're going to find that taking earlier is going to be a better option because you'll end up with more benefits. The second question from Randall says, if the long-term return of the S&P 500 is approximately 10% and one receives a guaranteed increase in Social Security between FRA and 70 and feel I can invest the Social Security receive a better investment return than the guaranteed 8% return, please convince me I should wait until 70 to get my Social Security. First thing that I want to address here is I'm not here to convince anyone. Yeah, that's your job. Your freedom's your freedom. Please make your choices. I'm here to educate and help people. And you have the freedom to invest. But again, it's going to be based upon math. And if you feel like you can out-invest Social Security, be my guest. But what we find is that many people don't. How do we know what the market's going to be over the next two or three years if the market drops during that period of time? You're putting yourself at risk that you don't have to put yourself into. But again, entirely up to you. I will never try to convince anyone of what they should do. It's your life. It's your retirement. I'm just here to make it better if I can provide you with information that will help. And Dave, a follow-up with this one. You appear to recommend most people to take Social Security benefits at 70. However, you state that only 5% do so. Why are people not taking your advice? The biggest reason is because, one, they don't understand it. They don't understand the concepts. We can't educate the whole world, and unfortunately, many people don't get the education they need to be able to understand that waiting is the right option. And number two, many people are in a financial position. They just can't wait any longer. Emotionally, they don't want to wait. They've worked all this time, and they're thinking, look, here's money I can get that's sitting out there waiting for me. I just want the money now. And it's not always the right answer, but it happens. And the best thing we can do is try to educate as many people as we can so that they know at least what they're walking away from. If you don't know that you're walking away from hundreds of dollars, it probably doesn't matter anyway. If you never go through one of these classes and realize that if you wait till 70, you missed out on a whole slew of money, Really, what does it matter? It's kind of like when I was growing up. I I was very uh, poor growing up. I I lived in poverty. I didn't know any difference. Now, as I get older and I've had an opportunity to experience some of the world, I realized there was a difference in the way I was raised. But at that point, it's like life's great. How could life be any better? Jeff asked the next question, Dave. So I have insurance from employer. And how do you know if I keep this plus Medicare or drop one? 
Great question uh, as far as your own personal situation and what's going on there. We get asked about this all the time. What you've got to do is look at what benefits that insurance is covering. If it's providing all the benefits that you need, don't worry about Medicare. Just continue to stay on that policy. But if you're finding that you've got some gaps that you think Medicare could cover, now generally, if you're on a large employer plan, the employer plan is going to be the primary insurance. But if you've got some gaps there, then you could take advantage of Medicare. But it's going to be an individual situation based upon the coverage you currently Great. Uh, Mark asks, what are the factors you take into account in determining when you should take Social Security? We want to look at longevity. We want to figure out how long you're expected to live. That's the first one. We also want to look at your wealth and income situation. Are you in a situation where you can afford to wait on Social Security? We also want to look at the various risks that are facing your retirement. What other risks are you subject to? And the last one I usually look at is the age of the other spouse if you're married. If you've got a much younger spouse, it's going to affect greatly when you take your benefits and how that plays out in the life of your retirement and the retirement of your spouse. My next question is from Luis. And uh, they ask, what percentage of ex-spouse's Social Security benefits would the other party receive? Does the ex-spouse still receive their full amount? For example, does claiming percentage of ex-spouse's Social Security benefit cost the ex-spouse? It's not going to cost the ex-spouse anything. They're not going to lose any of their benefits on that side. Living benefits, you're going to be entitled to 50% of the full retirement age benefit of that ex-spouse. If that's more than your benefit, you would be able to get that increase. If it's less than your benefit, you would just stay with your own. Once they pass away, then you would be entitled to 100% of whatever they were claiming. If they had waited until age 70, you would get 100% of that benefit. Same rules apply. If it's larger than yours, you would be entitled to the increase. If it's smaller than yours, you would stay with your own. Great. Uh, Sam asks, can wife collect Social Security at 62 based on her own earnings and then switch to her husband's earnings when the husband starts collecting five years later? Are there any reductions when she starts collecting based on her husband's records? If she claims at 62, you're going to have reductions. Anytime you claim before full retirement age, even when you're talking about spousal benefits, you're going to end up with various reductions that are going to happen. Now, if the spouse is not yet claimed, she may not, if she's got her own record, she can claim on it. And then once they get to the point that they claim, if there's an increase, that will automatically happen as long as you submit all the paperwork to do that. You'll see that increase. So I guess it's not really automatic, but requires some paperwork from you, but you'll be able to get that increase as soon as that happens. So really how that works uh, on that side, if they've already filed, deem filing applies and you're going to be stuck with the higher of the two once you make that initial filing. All right. My next question comes from Jenny. Can you explain the government pension offset? My husband is a retired firefighter who was injured in the line of duty and has a pension beginning at age 33. How will this social security benefits be affected? His Social Security individually will not be affected by government pension offset. Remember, we've got two programs, windfall elimination provision, which is your own pension plan, and government's pension offset, which is affecting the benefits you would receive from a spouse. So in this situation where he's been injured, he's getting that pension, the assumption is he he may not be working at this point where he'd even be building up any Social Security of his own. But on your side, if you had benefits that he would be entitled to, he would be subject to the government pension offset, which is two-thirds of the pension. That's what they use to figure out how much your Social Security is reduced. So if you've got $3,000 pension, 
He's going to have two thousand uh, dollars that it'll be able to go against reducing any Social Security benefits he'd be entitled to on your record. So if the Social Security benefits he was entitled to would be a thousand dollars, two thousands greater, he's going to lose out on all of those benefits. But remember, government pension offset is dealing with spousal benefits. Windfall elimination provision is dealing with your own. All right, my next question is from Linda. Linda says, if both spouses claiming Social Security, can lower income spouse still file to increase benefits based on higher income spouse? If you're both claiming Social Security, once you claimed, it would have been deemed filing and you would be entitled to whatever you're getting. So there's really no refile once that happens unless you're born before January 2nd, 1954, and there was a situation where you had a restricted application filed. But when you look at it today, once you file, remember deemed filing applies and you're stuck with whatever you did. All right. Gretchen has a good question here. Client received Social Security money in 2019, but paid it all back in 2020. Was trying to resolve in 2019, but didn't resolve fully until 2020. The IRS issued notice for income of Social Security for 2019. We wrote to IRS on the notice, is there something more we can do since we know it's not going to be resolved quickly? And client has a paper trail of communication with Social Security. Couple of things to look at here. One is you're exactly right. It's not going to happen quickly if you're dealing with them. Not sure what they'll end up doing. What you're going to have to do is look at the money that was received, if money was received during a given year. If you go back and amend or you do a redo, what you're going to probably have to do is report the income. Any money that was received in 2019 would have to be reported on tax return. Any credit that happened in the next year is going to offset any benefits you would have received down to zero. If it goes beyond that, you'll end up taking, most people take it as a scheduled A deduction, an itemized deduction. Others may be able to take it as a credit, whichever is going to work out the best. There's forms to do that. We don't have time to get into all those details. But uh, yeah, you've got to make your decision on your side. Now, if you think they will correct it and they they issued you a 1099 you never got money for, you just need to note that on your return and back out that income. All right. My next question is, which is better, a Medigap policy or a Medicare Advantage plan? It depends. How's that for a good answer from a professional? It really does depend on a number of things. If you are looking at a plan that's going to cover you in a certain geographical area, Medicare Advantage plan may be the right thing for you. If you want coverage across the United States, Medicare Medigap plans are usually the best option for people. The best way to figure it out is to go to medicare.gov, set up an account, type in your zip code, and you'll be able to look at the available plans in your area from Medigap to Medicare Advantage plans, and then use that to help you make a decision. But it's, it's going to require some research. Everyone's situation is going to be different, but you can find that information on medicare.gov if you choose to do the research and find that answer. All right. My next one is from Lionel. When you apply for Medicare Advantage and Advantage Plus, should you have had a prescription drugs plan prior? You don't have to do that, no. So usually you've only got to have parts A and B of Medicare to be able to qualify for a Medicare Advantage plan. And then from there, they can get you set up with a drug plan if you want to have that. If not, uh, you could then use go back onto Part D and use the Part D program. Andrew asked, If I do not take Social Security until 69 or 70, do I get an 8% increase every year, even if I do not receive income during these years? Yes, you will get the 8% increase regardless of what is going on during that period of time. Even if you were working, you're beyond full retirement age, so that those income 
increases would continue to happen. So it's going to go from full retirement age up until age 70. And for those who are listening to this, your full retirement age is going to be anywhere between 66 and 67. And then it will go from there 8% per year. So anywhere from 24 to 32% over that period of time. All right, Dave, my next question comes from Judith. As a follow-up to Medicaid and reverse mortgages, if reverse mortgages was in place for at least 10 years, could that still impact potential Medicaid benefits? Yes, it can, because if you've got that in place, you're getting monthly income stream. Any monthly income stream from any source is going to affect your potential rights to any Medicaid. So you do need to take that into consideration. If you're applying for Medicaid, they're going to have you fill out an application and you'll need to disclose that, but it definitely can affect the benefits you'd be entitled to. All right. And the next one's from Fran. And Fran asks, do you have any guidelines of whether it is better to retire at normal retirement age or age 70? Well, let's talk about a couple of things here. And I think it's important that we identify the difference between the two. What is retirement? Is retirement we claim our social security or is retirement that we are done working? These are two completely different things and we need to address them separately. You can quit working many times way before when you would take your social security and it may not impact your social security depending on your earnings history. If you already have 35 years of earnings that are very similar to what you're getting now, I see situations where people can stop working at age 60 and still get similar benefits once they reach age 70 if they wait to claim there. Now, if we're talking about claiming benefits, remember for most people, if you're trying to get maximum dollar, your best benefit's going to be to wait till age 70. If you have spouses that are dependent upon your record, or if you've got young children, that's definitely going to change. Or if you've got a lower life expectancy, but uh, most people, it's going to be 70. And as we look at it again, remember, we've got two issues there. Retirement isn't necessarily that we claim social security when we quit working. All right, Dave, I have two from Elwood. We're going to start with the first question. I'm still working on a group insurance plan. When do I need to apply for Medicare? You don't have to apply for Medicare until you end up losing that plan or you end up losing that job. You've got eight months from that time, whichever happens first. You've got eight months to go into the special enrollment period. Now, that being said, many people will sign up for Part A when they reach age 65 because for most people, there's not going to be a charge for it. So you're getting benefits potentially that you're not paying for. So really up to you, but you do have an eight-month window after you've quit or you've been fired or you end up losing that insurance, whichever happens first. And my next question from Elwood is, since Medicare rates are affected by income, how long will a one-time windfall in early retirement affect your Medicare premium? It's only going to affect it for one year. So these windfalls are based upon a calendar year event that happens two years prior. So if you looked at something that happened in 2020, maybe this year you ended up making more money and it would increase your premiums. Not going to be until 2022 that those premiums go up and they will only go up for that one year, assuming your income falls back in below the thresholds. All right, Dave. And those are the questions we have. I'm so grateful that you were able to spend time to answer all these and sorry they were so fast, but we had to get through as many as we could. Sarah, this has been an amazing show. Hopefully for those who are listening, they've enjoyed it as much as I have. Thank you so much for putting all this together so we could offer this experience to the Prosperity Nation for those out there that are wanting to learn more about how they can get to that tax-free and risk-free retirement. 
And if you're out there and you love this, please let us know because Dave, I would really like to do this again. I would too. This has been a great show. Well, thank you, CR, for being on the show, Prosperity Nation. Thank you for joining us today. Again, if you want to get to that safe and secure retirement, go to our website, theprosperityguy.com. You're going to find all the tools, all the information. So as we approach 2021, you can put everything in place and know that you're moving forward with your retirement goals. My name's Dave Hall. I'm the Prosperity Guy. I've had CR with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of The Prosperity Gap. If you want to learn more about The Prosperity Guy, or if you have questions you would like answered on a future show, go to theprosperityguy.com. 